0: They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi, friends. Shane Pruitt here. Welcome to the Next Gen On Mission podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us again. Today we have some very Incredible guests, DA and Alicia Horton. DA and Alicia have been married for 17 years this June and have three wonderful kids. They are currently serving together in the Long Beach, California area as church planters. They are also authors, communicators, speakers, and God is just doing amazing things through DA and Alicia Horton. Today, we're also going to be talking about next gen and relationships. So, DA and Alicia, thank y'all so much for taking the time to be on the Next Gen on Mission podcast.
1: Yeah, thank
0: you so much. Thanks for letting us be a part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Truly honored. All right. Before we get too spiritual, what is one fun fact that we should know about each of you that we probably don't already know?
1: Oh
2: man. Um
1: one fun fact.
2: I guess I guess for me, in all honesty, man, I, I can be an extreme introvert. Uh, but I have to act and uh the ministry that God has called me in kind of forces me to be extrovertish, but in all honesty, uh, I'm the dude that's the extreme introvert. I'd rather be at the house, maybe playing Fortnite with the kids or reading books uh, in a room by myself, man.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, so Fortnite with the kids. Be honest. Who wins? Um, Who wins those?
2: Uh, you know, I don't like to brag, but <laughs> let's just say uh, I help guide and disciple my children in doing well. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's give right. them humbleness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. humbleness and humility. Um, it. since we're we're bragging kind of, um, I would say fun fact is probably, um, majority times that him and I travel and we get to kind of steal away or go on dates and we do something fun, um, you know that that basketball game that you can you know play. I don't even know pop shot, song, pop shot. Or oh, yeah. How, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. I would say the majority time, um, I went.
0: Come on, girl. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I teach some humility,
1: too. Yeah,
2: so we we were a family that's dedicated to humbling each other. (laughs) Come
0: on. That's good. That's good. Well, thank y'all. Hey, all right. So for the husband and wife listeners that are serving together in ministry, what practical ministry tips would you give to them about doing ministry together? Because when I look at your life, just as an outsider looking in, y'all are really effective at serving together. So what tips that y'all have that you would give other couples or just some insights, some life hacks that that y'all practice yourselves that you could share with others? I
2: think first off, um, it took us a while to understand that, uh, it was a family call that God had put on our hearts. So, so often early on in ministry, I just assumed God was leading in my life, calling me and everyone in the family, including Alicia, I had to kind of just tag along. Um, but then over the course of time through very, um, you know, intentional and, uh, dare I say, (laughs) spirit-filled conversations, Uh, me and Alicia began to recognize that this was a familial call and there were gifts and talents and passions and dreams that God had given to Alicia as well as myself and then now inclusive of our children. And so as we engage together to seek to live on mission, uh, it's always a a corporate time of, of praying, discussing, planning out, and then also just laying requests before the Lord together And uh, as he opens and closes doors, uh, our hearts are massaged to kind of seek this level of oneness and togetherness to know that, hey, this is definitely what what the Lord is wanting us to do together. So that way there's traces and fingerprints of oneness and togetherness in anything we do, whether it's Alicia going out to speak or teach or write or whether it's me or whether it's the both of us, there's this rhythm of togetherness.
1: I would just add that um, three practical tips, um, because I like to be the one that keeps things organized. Um, so mine would be um, having weekly discussions about what's coming up for the next uh, few months. and then also having um, monthly meetings um, where we kind of look at the the what we did um, for the month, you know again, what we have lying ahead of us. Um, But also just remembering that the most important thing is in ministry, our family does come first. And so that as long as we keep that um, at the forefront of all of our decision making, then it's easier to say no to more things than to say yes to things. And so that's something that um, Damon and I like really fight for because um, a family is our ministry. And it's the most important one that we'll want to say yes to more often than no.
0: So. Yeah, I love that. So Alicia, you're the org- you're the organized one of the of the couple. Is that right? Uh
1: yeah. I it's safe to
0: say
2: that. Yeah,
1: unashamedly she is i and
0: I play the disorganized one. So <laughs> yeah. we have to find balance yeah. somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Hey, well hey DA, I'm right with you. I'm right with you. My wife, <laughs> Casey, is the organized one to the T and praise God for that gift of grace in my life that uh I have for her. That's awesome. All right. So share about the most difficult time in ministry together and what the Lord taught you through that? You know,
2: honestly, I think it's uh, been since we've been here in Long Beach, uh, planting. Um, There's been a lot of different uh, experiences that we've had. You know, I've been blessed to be ordained in ministry for almost 13 years now, and uh, these last four years by far have been the most challenging. Uh, We've had, you know, just some very tough seasons in regards to, Uh, the leadership team not panning out the way that we had prayed and sought and desired for this church plant. Uh, At the same time, you know, Alicia, she has uh, multiple sclerosis. And so we uh, have had more times of flare-ups and relapses uh, due to stress-related issues going on. Uh, Our son has definitely some nuances and some needs, uh, unlike any other time that we've ever had in in the ministry. Uh, And then recently, you know, I myself have been Diagnosed with uh, multiple mental illnesses and at the same time just struggling with burnout and what what this looks like and processing uh, through the pain, uh, you know, through enduring times of gossip and slander. Uh, People that we've invested in uh, that have just kind of abandoned the relationship uh, when challenges came up and having all these stresses uh, have been, you know, uh, ways that we have found new layers of togetherness, even shepherding our children through confusions. And I think we really have honestly learned what it means to honor others, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of trial, as we dive more deeply into our love for Christ and even the love for the local church. uh, We've really learned how to personify Romans 12 in ways that uh, have been unlike any other time in life.
1: I think, yeah. And just to tack on there is that I feel like Damon and I had to fight for each other to find rest. You know, We really were not understanding what what it meant to Sabbath and what it meant to really just um, step away from things because, you know, in a church plant it's so easy to get caught up in saying, okay, you know, you're basically it's like starting a business from ground up. You know, you have to be involved in almost every aspect until you can, you know, find people and and delegate and all that good stuff. And so um, when, yeah, when leadership didn't pan out, it then fell back on our shoulders. And there was a lot that we carried that we just didn't realize. Um, and that really lets you a burn burnout really quickly and so I feel like sabbathing and finding what it means to rest and say no um, we felt we feel like that's been so valuable for us in this season as well as fighting for um, and fighting against the the isolation the running back and just reclusing and just not you know uh, living in a community so we've been teaching each other to to lean into the tensions of what we're facing, but by being really dependent and interdependent on community life. And so that's been something I would say um, has been very practical for us because in our times of need, community has been there to love us, to shepherd us and to, um, you know, just be there for us in our, in our difficult times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's rich. Thank you so much for being so transparent and honest with that for, you know, Y'all are so effective at reaching the next generation. Obviously, a lot of people look up to y'all, follow y'all. For the next-gen leaders that are listening, whether it's young adult leaders or college pastors or student pastors that are feeling on the edge of, of burnout or they just, I mean, because when you're in working with the next generation, on some levels, you're on the front line of evangelism efforts. You know, when 80% mm-hmm. of people surrender to Jesus before the age of 18, Ninety-five percent before the age of thirty, and so they're on the front lines of that spiritual warfare attack. What is some mm, advice yeah. that you would give to the listener that maybe they just feel burned out, exhausted, wore out? What would you What would you tell them?
2: I would say the first thing is um, understanding that it's it's always the wisest move to make a decision with stakeholders involved. It's stakeholders in your life that could be other church leaders, that could be church pastors, that could be Those a part of your local church that are pouring into you, they're living in relationship with you. So often what we are tempted to do is when we're burnt out, we're tired, we're we're viewing ministry and life, even marriage, through a lens of weariness. And often we can make decisions in that space that is unhealthy, and the consequences of that decision can be detrimental to even other people. And we're not even modeling well for those under us and even those older than us what it looks like to be patient and to be, you know, inclusive of strong, solid counsel while we're in those spaces. So I would say before you even think about, you know, oh man, here's my resignation, here's this, bring leadership into the decision-making process and then come to a conclusion together. I received great counsel from one of my brothers named Wendell Cole. He goes by Deacon Cole years ago. He's a senior pastor in Kansas City. And he said, you know, Damon, before you make a decision, it's probably best to make sure that your wife and the pastors of your church, the leaders in your church are all on the same page. And that would give you safe protection in your heart to know that godly counsel of people that genuinely know you affirm God's leading in this decision-making process.
1: Yeah, that's good. I, I was, that was where I was headed. So he spoke for both of us. That's great.
0: Mm, thank you so much for that. Switching gears a little bit, I always love to ask this question in every episode in his I love the answers and they're so interesting and everyone's saying the same thing, but maybe different aspects of it. DA, Alicia, what do we need to know about the next generation coming up? Young millennials or Gen Z coming up. What do we need to know about reaching the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ?
1: Mm, So um, I would say this, Um, you know, I regularly have conversations with a close family member of ours um, and you know, they're in this generation, and it's very troubling as to what everyday conversations look like for this generation, you know, Um, and we just start talking about, you know, you know, value, worth, and things like that, and for whatever reason, you know, there's a conversation that they were kind of entertaining that had to do with, you know, some guy's uh, comparing girls. Right. And they were just going back and forth. And, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know, this was the Holy spirit or just, you know, wisdom. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, it kind of sounds like to me why they're so easily, easily having this conversation. They, they may have an addiction to porn. Mm-hmm. And, um, this girl, um, responded saying no, that, yeah, they do. They casually talk about it. And I was just so, is taken back by the casual conversations of having porn addictions in this generation as if it's is, is so normalized that it's not anything new. You shouldn't be uh, caught off guard by that. So I really feel like leaders really need to understand what that looks like, the, the um, the extent and damage that it can do on one's brain, one's health, and just all the things that come along with having this type of addiction. I feel like they need to be educated. They need to be aware. They also need to, um, find accountability. So as they're engaging these conversations, they don't fall into temptation as they're trying to, you know, restore and love, you know, people, but it's not just guys; it's girls too. Yeah. And I feel like, we have to make sure that we are engaging these conversations, not running away from them, but being compassion filled, you know, versus being so judgmental as we couldn't come off. Cause I know myself, I went, you know, and the first thing in my mind, I'm like, I'm a mama. Like, wait a minute, you know, like I don't like, you know, how these conversations can go in this generation because we have, uh, you know, daughters in this generation. So I feel like it's just important for us to be aware, you know, and educate ourselves, and and knowing how to be spirit led when we have to have these conversations, these tough conversations with this generation.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. such a good word. And I think that's some of the common misconceptions that leaders make is think that pornography is only a guy problem. Um, I saw exactly. a statistic not too long ago that said the fastest growing consumer of Internet pornography are girls between the ages mm-hmm. of 15 and 40 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. DA, what would you tell young, single, Christian guys that are listening that desperately want to be in a healthy, godly relationship but— the Lord has not seen fit for that to happen yet. So what would you tell a young single Christian guy?
2: Well, number one, I would definitely affirm their identity first as a son in the family of God. Um, it's not dependent on their status, whether they're in a relationship or not. Uh, even those that, you know, uh, have tried their hand at various relationships and it just kind of fell apart. and Now there's scars on their heart and in their mind. As it relates to that, I would just definitely affirm, first and foremost, kingdom citizenship. Like, that's your identity. Let that shape your perspective. And then I would say, you know, wise counsel that I received early on in life and in ministry is that if you pursue purity in three specific areas, man, the the Lord will just flourish your relationship with him. So that when he aligns your heart with the individual that he wants you to be with, there's going to be a stronger propensity for intimacy, for honesty, for authenticity, but at the same time flourishing in that relationship, marriage, and then parenting. And I think three areas that they should pursue purity, as well as even someone who's been married for 17 years like myself, I need to keep pursuing purity in these three areas. The first is your doctrine. Make sure that you understand the truthfulness of God's word and what it looks like and in, in applying it in our day-to-day. In addition to that, I would say purity in your finances, making sure that you have other people's eyes of accountability helping you steward your finances. Again, if, if somebody's looking at where you're spending your money, there's there's less likelihood of, you know, these types of secret addictions that will mm-hmm. consistently be the sins that cling to us. And that's what the author of Hebrews was saying. And then finally, I would say purity in your sexuality. Um, make sure that you are pursuing mm-hmm. God. Make sure you're understanding what it means to not let your sex drive be your God. Mm-hmm. Don't let your sex drive or your identity of your sexuality be something that like replaces Christ in the throne of your heart. Make sure you submit the whole of who you are to the, the Lordship of Christ. And as you are growing and flourishing and pursuing doctrinal purity, financial purity, and sexual purity, like your walk with God will be so much more meaningful that you'll be prepared to lead, you'll be prepared to listen, you'll be p- prepared to grow with whoever God is going to align your heart with. Yeah, so,
0: really are sermon now. <laughs> yeah, that's rich. I love it. I'm over here writing down as fast as I can. If you're listening to this and you're driving in your car, hey, don't try to write, pull over and write this down. Rewind. And that was rich. Alicia, and
1: don't text yeah, me.
0: that's right. That's right. Alicia, what would you tell young Christian single girls who are listening that desperately want to be in a relationship, but God hasn't seen fit for that to happen right now? What would you tell them? Um,
1: so I would say, thank you, Damon, for kind of setting that up for me because I would say that almost the very similar things is that I feel like we try to um, identify ourselves as, as who we're in relationships with, you know, and I feel like our identity in Christ, And our allegiance to Christ first is supreme over all things. And it's so beautiful that, you know, for me, um, when I was in my later teenage years going into adulthood, once I realized that my allegiance was to Christ first, like it took me a while, you know, many broken relationships, many heartaches. It took me a while. But when I realized that Jesus does deserve everything of who I am, you know, from my sexuality to personality and everything in between. Um, like I, w- I have like this inner peace to say, okay, I'm going to be okay. Like I know my worth, I know my value. So let me just make sure I'm focusing on those things and my identity of Christ. And then Lord, if you, if you tell me that all things will be, you know, added unto me, if I'm seeking first your kingdom, then I'll, I need to trust you in that. And, Once that happened, I'm not even joking, like within a matter of like months, here comes Damon Horton (laughs) around the corner. (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, like, and I didn't know it. You know, I just realized that again, placing God first and making sure that I'm not trying to find value in the things around me and my inner circle um, and people who, um, you know, pay compliments or, you know, people that give pay attention, you know, as long as I'm finding my worth and my value in Jesus, all things will fall into place in time, so...
0: Mm. All right, let me let me lob another one out. What about for the the couple, whether they're in high school, college, not married, but are dating, What advice you give them??
2: You know, we, uh, we're kind of walking through that even with uh, one of our own children. and um, one of the things that we constantly make them aware of is the fact that let's keep open and honest communication um, between the teenager and the parents. We want to be deeply involved because this is discipleship. These are discipleship rhythms that me and Alicia recognize we're not going to pawn off to the youth leader in our church. Uh, that if they, Their work in the youth ministry is supplemental to what's going on in the home. Mm-hmm. So we lead with forthright conversations. So just to be honest, you know, if there was a situation uh, where we've communicated, Hey, you cannot date. You cannot be in an exclusive relationship. You can have friends, but at the same time, uh, we want to be involved in this process because, you know, it's it's natural to be attracted to somebody. It's natural to want to pursue them. But we're trying to give you guardrails on what this looks like because we don't want you to make the same mistakes we did and give all these heart investments into a relationship that is not going to last. Yeah. And then you repeat this mistake over and over. And by the time you align with who Christ has you to be with, like you've got all this baggage and unnecessary scars on your heart because you didn't listen to the good counsel of uh, you know, uh, walking in purity relationally. So, you know, we walked through that with her. Um, and obviously, you know, we're still walking through that in those nuances and what that looks like with her in, yeah. in, in, regards to that.
1: If I would say also, like if they, if the person, you know, that you're seeking to be in a relationship with, um, doesn't want your parents to be involved, that should be a red flag. immediately. You know? Yeah. yeah. If that person doesn't want to have conversations with your parents who want to be involved, that should be a red flag. That's not a yellow flag that's like, oh, yeah, you know, let's laugh that off. No, that should be a red flag. And so because, again, it's about welcoming wisdom and counsel into that, um, you know, blossoming relationship. But I also ask, you know, you know, hard questions of where where is this going? You know, like, help me understand what's the purpose of this relationship? Because friendships are more valuable right now you know, of, of being able to build those first and then seeing, is there potential? Do I see characters, uh, characteristics and qualities that I like in this person? Am I able to just kind of step back and maintain healthy boundaries and not overstepping boundaries by just building a friendship? Can we just do that? But if they're wanting to, you know, push those boundaries, if they're wanting to progress in the relationship only for a, maybe a, you know, personal benefit, then again, that should be a red flag.
2: Hey, if I if I could add one more thing, yeah, I just speaking to the the teenagers because listen, I, I know exactly what they're like. Oh man, y'all you don't even understand. <laughs> We're in <and laughs> love. I, I listen, I totally get that. So so let me just break you off with with some practical wisdom that my homie Jason gave me. Uh, he heard it from a pastor somewhere in the San Diego area. Basically, what he said is that this pastor. Uh, approached his daughter and said, okay, this is who you are interested in being with. Cool. Well, then for six months, invite him to every family function we got. Invite him to everything, barbecues, weddings, baptisms, church, you name it. Like every family function, let him be around us because he was like, then you'll be able to see if he's genuinely the same person around different family members, around friends. And that's the stuff that we would incorporate When, when Jason told me that. I'm like, oh man. So I told Alicia and I was like, yo, listen, like, like let's invite the, the young dude over. Like, let's 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 talk. Let's see how he is. Because then we need the, our daughter to be actively involved in that. Cause we can give and a young person, trust me, I get it. You hear counsel from your parents, you like, man, whatever. But then somebody else tells you the same thing and you're like, oh man, that's so wise. Yeah. So we we get it, but but the reality is like you gotta develop your own critical thinking skills. Like you gotta begin to recognize, like, dang, this person acts this way when we're alone. They put on this front around this group of people. They put this front on like, man, there's six different people. I'm dating six different people like that cannot lead to a healthy conclusion, because if you're dating a person that has different faces, different shapes and different characters, trust me you 're only seeing one perspective and how do you know that person ain't dating five other people with Go their on five on. other perspectives Come so on. that's just some practical practical advice to save, save your heart for real because
0: yeah. love I'll it. just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> this is so rich I need to we need to turn this episode into two three parts this is so good I can't talk all day about this that is awesome I love that that is such good advice from both of you I've over here writing this down I have a 13 year old and so I know that's Uh-oh. like coming down the road, I'm like, Lord, you know, Jesus, if you want to come back now, just come on back before she gets in those <laughs> yeah. dating those dating <laughs> ages. Oh, Lord. Alright, we always close Next Gen On Mission podcast with the same On Mission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they're the now generation. They're not necessarily the future of the church, but they're the church right now. Give us some closing thoughts on that. I would say, listen,
1: um, The burdens that you're carrying, um, they can be dealt with now. Mm. Um, Don't allow them to dictate your future, but allow Christ to carry those, to lay them at his feet and to know that you're not alone in whatever you're facing. Um, There's so many challenges that all of us are facing these days, but it's more freeing to be able to lay those down and to pursue Jesus wholeheartedly versus carrying all these burdens that weigh us down and easily entangle, entangle us and feeling like we are nothing but with with jesus trust us you can be everything and even more
2: amen uh what i would add to that is um you know when you embrace jesus you you have the same job description that i do and that is to make disciples of every ethnicity to teach those that you are living life with how to observe the spiritual and social commands of christ and i'll be honest uh, my heart is to invest in the next generation simply because every major revival that has taken place in American history on American soil has always been inclusive of three factors. Number one, a serious commitment to prayer. Number two, a serious commitment to evangelism. And number three, young people. So when those three things intersect, and even though I'm technically not a young person anymore, like I want to give everything that I have from every ounce of wisdom, every moment of struggle, every life tension that I'm enduring at approaching the age of 40, and if I can arm somebody that's 16 to 24 years old with the scars and the wisdom and insight that I have at 40, by the time they'll be 40, they'll be twice as wise and seasoned in the faith that I am. So my life is dedicated to pouring into this generation. So we're with you. We believe in you. And I don't want you following in footsteps. I want you walking alongside me. And so I think that that generation needs to understand that, yeah, living on Jesus's mission is now. It's now and then for the rest of your life. And when God called me to faith, I was uh, almost 16 years old. I've been walking with Jesus for almost 24 years right now. And the reality is I'm still passionately loving Jesus as much as I am about to be 40 as I did when I first came to faith at 15. So it is possible to pursue Christ with all you have for the remainder of your teenage years, through your 20s and through your 30s. Me and my wife are living testimonies of that. So you can do it. And we believe in you. That's why we want to equip you and live life with you to show you, yeah, it's possible.
0: Mm, DA, Alicia, so, so good. This has been so rich. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, where can people find y'all? Where can they follow you, stay connected with you?
2: Uh, Instagram, uh, you know, uh, Alicia Horton, um, Damon Horton or DA Horton, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all the little Googles you can do on (laughs) YouTube. (laughs) They know how to find it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, this yeah. has been
2: great. And for any young person out there that's praying about going to college, hey, come holler at us at Cal Baptist University. I'm a <laughs> professor there, intercultural studies. Come hang with me. Let's spend four years together.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, and you know, and, and Nam is launching a, a great initiative with J.D. Greer of GoTo. Hey, so if you're about to graduate college, go serve in D.A. and Alicia's Church for two years and give up two years of your life for the kingdom and serve with them over there and Cali and reach people with the gospel. Hey, thank you so Let's much. For, yeah, come on. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at NAM.net nam We'll try to address those on future podcasts. If you enjoy what you're listening to, hey, give us a rating. Uh, subscribe to us. Tell, us uh, tell your friends about the podcast. That it really, really helps this project moving forward. Have a great rest of your day, and tell somebody about Jesus.